journey into the dead zone with the dead kids of Derry and we're going maximum overdrive style into this one hauling major fucking ass across the terrain look at this Dino De Laurentiis it's been all building to this yes <laughs> this moment we've been it's waiting been- for this yes hey I have to ask who brought the cocaine everybody <laughs> for, okay, uh, okay okay we'll then on the screen Stephen King director oh. We got we got the scar uh, Scarface worth of cocaine here, and we're ready to delve in. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, this movie is cocaine. It's cocaine made sentient. <laughs> Did you say we had a Scarface worth of cocaine, Alex? Yep. Scarface. What does that even mean? Oh come on, you know what? What does that even mean? It's a Scarface according to the hawk. I've always according to hawk. Is, is Scarface. We got a Scarface full of cocaine. Okay. I always love that, like, around that yeah. Star Wars text crawl at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I know. Like, what the fuck? Well, yeah, it almost sounds like an afterthought, but it still, like, you know, sets it up. <laughs> no, no, he definitely, he was definitely in the editing room, like, oh, no, we need to explain some shit before this starts, huh? <laughs> Plus, I just discovered, I didn't realize, he made another movie about trucks. In the yeah, I didn't know this until yeah. twenty minutes ago. This is like his first. This was this was uh yeah. This was uh he was really obsessed with like sentient murderous vehicles yeah. and, for a little and while. This is his best cameo. I ever. love this opening. Oh yeah, this machine's calling me an asshole. Fucking greatest line. Maximum overdrive. Hell yeah, making his own cameo. Yeah, I mean. I mean, that is, like, peak ego right there. Like, I wrote it. I directed it. I'm in the opening fucking scene. Like, <laughs> Admittedly, he was cocained out of his mind. He was fully scar-faced uh, in this one. <laughs> oh, as, as we've been pointing out for the last nine months. Yes. <laughs> Literally, we've been building up to this episode for the entirety of a pregnancy. This was the, uh, the peak of his scar faced him. Right. Oh, yeah. He was wearing white suits on set and everything. Honestly, I think this movie's what talked him into getting clean. <laughs> you know, there's rumor, which is very interesting, that uh, much like the, the Spielberg Hooper rumor that Spielberg uh, directed for Hooper, they, they say that Romero came in and actually did a lot of ghost directing on this while uh, he was trying to get, get seeking treatment. Anybody know anything about that? I mean,. I've heard the rumors over and over, but they're unsubst- uh, as far as I know, they're unsubstantiated. Nobody's ever fessed up to say, yeah, that's a thing. But given the creep show connection, mm. it would be the most likely choice of somebody that he would have on speed dial to be like, help. <laughs> well, yeah, Romero, I mean, he, he was on set a lot. Romero was on set a lot. Yeah, he was around. Proven, yeah. Yeah. 
And they were really close. Yeah, they did a lot of things to go though. Yeah. It'd be interesting if that was a take. It's like George, George, I'm, 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 I need help, man. I'm, I'm just like you know, nose buried deep in cocaine right now, and I need you to come in to save my ass because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm supposed to be on set in 20 minutes, and I'm naked in Tijuana with a dead hooker. <laughs> <laughs> help me, George! Please help me. Help me, George! I, I, I'm mud wrestling with Cujo right now. Help me. <laughs> their, their, their claim is the angles. Their angles and the editing style is a lot like Romero. That's where the claim comes from. I think that I think that might also just be Romero's influence on King. Because like as a first time director for, for only time director, you know, we've we've all been there. To, to one degree or another. And we all know that, like, that first piece, you wear a lot of your immediate influences on your sleeve. Because you, you haven't found yourself yet. I think so. everybody here has been kind of behind the camera in a directorial way. Would you think it's better to kind of start off smaller budgeted, doing something, maybe you know, or, or like what King had where he was just jumped – like all of us would love to be probably making a film with the budgets and such that this one came with, you know what I mean? And the accessibilities and stuff. You think it's better to jump in like this or to like a smaller route? I don't think it's wise. Um, I feel like given what I've seen of people that are able to spend their parents inheritance on their first film and what they produce with that first film and that money. No. I don't think it's smart at all. I think you definitely need to smart, start with a smaller budget and you need to learn the ropes of how to make a budget work. Because if you're just giving the keys to the bank right off the bat, you're going to get something like Maximum Overdrive, which is just an excessive mess. Well, it's pretty much a car orgy right now. <laughs> yeah, The scene with the watermelon coming through the windshield, always. It's like when you see that watermelon break... You just feel like it's her head. And I, that I always loved this. I always loved this film from, you know what I mean? From the AC, I think this is one of his better, you know, I know a lot of people shit on it, but I think this is one of the, you know, I like the ACDC touch, you know, it's pretty violent. They kill the kid, you know, they kill that kid with the fucking soda can and shit, you know, I believe it. I don't think it's a bad movie it, as much as I think it's, a, convol- a convolution of multiple things all going on at once. It, it's it's Stephen King getting the keys to the bank, being able to do literally whatever the fuck he wanted yeah. without any constraint whatsoever, which in some cases in this movie totally pays the fuck off. The violence is over the top. Like, the, the, the acting's pretty actually pretty fucking solid. They have a pretty good cast. Um, was a lot of things to its to its credit and to its benefit. I don't I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think it's a ridiculous movie. Yeah, for sure. And probably some of that's on purpose. Some of that is Stephen King not being a film director, trying to be a film director. No. So he just went all the way full throttle. Didn't know that sometimes you need to actually take a fucking break every once in a while in your film so that people can reconstitute themselves. 
Um, pacing, pacing. There was lessons in pacing here. That's the best way I could put it. Yeah, yeah I mean, Dino De Laurentiis, you know, who produced this, I mean, you know, really said, like, well, Stephen King, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, he, he's this great writer, you know, let's just give him whatever resources that we, you know, he wants. And it's interesting enough how you even look at something like Cat's Eye, um, because Cat's Eye, along with this movie, were shot in um, this the same facility in uh, North Carolina and where, as we talked about the whole, like, you know, Stephen King uh, look, whether if it's California um, for Maine, this is almost really kind of his second home because, you know, the studios in Wilmington, North Carolina, starting with Cat's Eye, he came back down here a few times to film a few more of these movies. And that's why, and right after that, um, um, the text in the beginning, this movie takes you know place in the area of Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was also interesting. That a guy who has based so much of his career on on the basic fact that he just comes from Maine, that his first directorial debut, he's like North Carolina is fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It you know? has that, you know, dry, uh, a southern, um, well, maybe not too southern, but it just has like a very dry flared. It looks, I mean, this movie almost feels like it was uncomfortable to make. Yeah, it looks Between hot. the sun and all, you know, and everything. The, the whole movie looks hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? It looks hot. It looks like it was hot outside. It looks like those people don't look comfortable in any scene. Yeah. Um. No, it's got like that, like mildly chicken fried feel, like Silver Bullet had. Yeah, you know what I mean. Exactly. Just, just, just a touch southern, not like all the way southern, just a touch. You know, just southern enough. Just southern enough. Almost like that like twang on it. Like, like we're enjoying some fried chicken and some sweet tea. We're not joining the KKK. Like we're cutting. <laughs> we have a line. <laughs> and you got Emilio Estevez, uh, uh, Martin Sheen, who's been in two, two kind of two Stephen King films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a question: Did Charlie Sheen ever get a Stephen King film? I forget. No, no. not that I know of. You only see, see, one. see that that is a crime. We have to have the trifecta. They they got to do a Stephen King film now with with Charlie Sheen. Well, what about I, Joe Estevez? <laughs> ah, well, you for, you forgot about you you forgot about young Jefe Estevez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. No. I, I. To my knowledge, no. I mean, I mean, he was in the Wraith, so it's not like he's never done horror before, right? Um. But I mean, it's well documented that Charlie Sheen's been kind of a hot mess for his whole career too. So. See, see, he actually should have been in Maximum Overdrive. Oh, I fucking agree. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Emilio Estevez, and he did a great job in this movie. But can you imagine, okay, this go to an alternate dimension where you have Maximum Overdrive directed by a coked-out Stephen King and the even crazier Charlie Sheen. I mean, how epic would that be? 
I'm fairly certain, like, he'd be, like, riding <laughs> on top of one of the fucking tractor trailers. Like, the Green Goblin tractor trailer. Oh, yeah. He'd be, he'd be on top of it, like, fucking Teen Wolf. Yeah, he'll be out there, he says, we can take over the trailer park, Spider-Man. Yeah, he would He would say something that had absolutely nothing to do with the movie. Yeah. Which I'm fairly certain that I've seen Charlie Sheen do in at least three or four films. Yeah. <laughs> that he, he said a line of dialogue that somehow got through the editing process that didn't belong there. But that's just, you know, it's a thing. Yeah. So we've got most of our main cast together now. In our in our truck stop diner. Well, it's interesting with the whole truck stop diner because it almost has like a small little feast flair to it. But mm. almost could be said for that is the mist. Yes, and yes, so it's got that. It, this it, is the it, very king aspect of this movie, in my opinion. I agree. Oh, Ooh, psychedelic. Referencing the Nightmares film. Uh-huh. Elio Estevez. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like Emilio. I get down with him. He directs now. I don't know if he really acts that much anymore. Emilio? Mighty Ducks thing? Isn't that a big Yeah, he did. He, he reprised his role as Gordon Bombay recently. Yeah. I heard that show Bombay. Yeah, I did Bombay. Yeah. It Bombayed twice. But uh but no, he did. He reprised his role as Gordon Bombay for the Mighty Duck show. And uh I think that's like the first thing anybody's heard from him in a while. Well, actually he directed a film called The Public, I think, that came out in the last like maybe three years or something. About um, well, I know he. I know he shifted over to doing a lot of behind the camera stuff. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. he direct he directed that film, and uh, that had um, the guy who died recently, uh, who was in the Wire. I forget his name. He oh was, yeah, 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 yeah. Had yeah. the scar. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, he he was he was in that, and um, yeah, I think Emilio is mainly focusing on more, you know, like Sundance, like independent film uh, directing. I think that's where he's focusing most of his talent now. Well, it's good. It's good. You know, I'll have to, I'll have to check some of the stuff he's directed. I don't think I've seen any of it, but it's, that's good. Uh, that's good. I, don't I mean, I always want a loaded weapon too, but <laughs> it's good. Oh yeah, dude. I'd go for loaded weapon too. Twice. You know, ACDC handpicked by Stephen King for this film. Boom! Ooh. Oh, look! Brutal. Big factoid. Yeah. Big factoid about Stephen King. He is actually a massive metalhead. I believe that. Massive metalhead. It's kind of amazing. The the one and only conversation I have ever had with the master Stephen King was about the death metal band The Faceless. Really? Yeah. You a fan? He's a big fan of them. Yeah, and I'm a big fan. And he saw my faceless T-shirt, and he's like, "I love that band." I was like, "The fuck you do!" <laughs> and he really did, and that was amazing. Yeah, no, Stephen King, huge, huge metalhead. So, not even surprising that he handpicked the ACDC because he likes he likes to rock. You should collaborate with a heavy metal band 
the same way that like Shel Silverstein did with Doctor Hook and the Medicine Show, and Fuck just yeah. write write songs for them. That that'd be big. That'd be printed money. Oh, yeah, right there. Oh Fucking yeah, Christopher Lee. Like two years before he died, wrote a heavy metal album right. about Charlemagne. Like fucking like <laughs> oh, old metal amazing. dudes rule. I remember that. Yeah. I knew he had the little kid get run over by the steamroller just now. Um, that was that was nice. Yeah, yeah, and actually, these effects were done. Memory serves correct. Dean Gates. Mm. Um, he's uh, been in the business for a few decades. Now. Yeah, since the early eighties. Um, he actually uh, filmed the Florida stuff uh, for Day of the Dead. Um, when they filmed down there, he was uh, also worked on Invasion USA, uh, Blue Velvet, um, The Return of Swamp Thing. Um, nice. Uh, a lot of cool uh, Maniac Cop too I mean this guy so he's done a lot one thing I have to mention quickly um, I made a small faux pas during our last one where we were talking about um, the movie where we thought it was actually Rick Baker and Rob Oteen when it was was actually Matthew Mungle who did the makeup effects on Silver Bullet bad movie yeah yeah, I'm sorry, I'm Silver Bullet, yeah. Oh. But well, it's interesting how we that talk about the, re- the relationship between Boutine and Baker, considering they have worked for a long time, but in actuality, that was a math- Matthew Mungle who was at the helm of the makeup effects on Silver Bullet. But the makeup effects in this movie are so much fun, and I love how over the over the top, I mean, so much stuff was cut out of this movie, apparently, from what I learned. And this is when the MPAA in the 80s was just, you know, going after anything of the genre, just trying to, you know, trim it down from X to R. Mm. And whether if it was a few frames or a few feet, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of sad that the MPAA butchered many of these movies of this time period where the makeup effects in these films were not, weren't shown to their fullest potential. It's almost like telling a joke and not being able to give the punchline. So it's like you're telling three quarters of the joke where you might not get everything. But I, was, I would still love to see an uncut version of this film. Sadly, a lot of that stuff that took the butcher job from the MPAA we can't get uncut versions of them because people weren't saving film back then. They weren't, exactly. They weren't planning a special edition. Or no, they weren't. It's what ended up on the editor, editing room floor stayed on the editing room floor. Bingo. Unfortunately. And it went, in a, it went in a sealed fireproof bag and it went in the trash. And that's... That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate how it happened. So, like, an extended cut of Maximum Overdrive probably never happened. I love this fucking truck, by the way. Oh yeah, glorious, fantastic truck! It, it, it became so iconic the 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 fact that it has the green goblin on. All yeah. these all these trucks really have personalities in this movie, and their characters. You know, I guess is the best way to put it, considering how different they are. But you know how they can kind of communicate with one another. I mean, it's, I give him, I give King credit for that, that he was able to take something like a truck kind of like Spielberg did with duel and, and give it like a 
personality, a heart, a soul, a thought process, a pathos. I yeah. thought that was one thing he absolutely excelled at in this film. Yeah. Was making that work, which I thought was really, really impressive and difficult. I wonder if he had that, like, in mind, the face, the goblin face in mind from the beginning, or if he was trying to, scrambling for ideas to try and make the truck scarier, you know what I mean? Um... I, I would I would take a guess that somebody probably disturbed him in his sniffing tent, and uh, <laughs> and I was like, hey, well, like the production designer or something was like, hey, you think it would be cool if we put the Green Goblin's head on the front of this truck? And he was like, fuck yeah! And I I mean I I, I I'm gonna guess that it was probably a lot more simple than just like some deliberate <laughs> thought process. The White Goblin, yeah. Now here we have Yardley Smith, Yardley Smith, Lisa, Lisa Simpson herself, herself, where she is now transcending into a full-blown scream queen very early in her career. When I think we can all forget, I mean, Yardley Smith is an amazing voiceover actress, and she's been in the. I mean, The Simpsons has been on for what thirty plus years now, forty plus years now. I think they're on season thirty-eight. 35? That's I don't know. Gory. It's, it's that just was nasty. Right? That's a lot of blood for, like, yeah, even, for your, even your typical 80s. That's not really quite a slasher horror film. Film, It's a lot of blood. Yeah. They, they spared no expense when it came to the uh, to the red stuff in this movie, that's for sure. They, I think they really knew. You know, when you're going to make automobiles you know, scary, I mean, you got to show the, the gruesomeness of what it can do to you. Well, what, what what they did on this one is they took the giant Ziploc bags, the, yeah. you know, the freezer bags, and on some of the dummies, especially if the vehicle was going to hit them, they would put them all over the body and just kind of do a light score on them. Like so that. these things get hit, you're going to see blood all over the place. So that's why with some of those scenes, they actually just scored some plastic bags and put so much fake blood in sinew. And, you know, so that's, that's what the interesting thing is. You really don't see the bodies too much fall completely apart, but you see these ex- glorious explosions of blood. Mm-hmm. It's magical. It's a special thing. It is a special thing. It is a special thing. There's, there's, a, there's a special color. There's, there's a flavor to '80s horror death that you just don't, you just don't get no more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting how you take a movie like this, where I mean, if you get hit by a truck, then you know you're a smear on uh, <laughs> the road, and that's it. But you know, the way how these people, you know, just when the vehicles take them out. It's just, uh, it's interesting how some of these people can kind of walk away. But when they're head on and, and that grill's coming at you, forget about it. You're a greasy smear, buddy. Mm-hmm. I think Stephen K was so afraid of automobiles because he knew the trouble that it'd get and he'd get behind the wheel of one under his circumstances. I, I, think, that, I think he had a premonition about later in life when he was going to get hit by a fucking car. <laughs> I remember that, and then the dude who hit him uh, got like killed out. Somebody killed him or something like that. Oh, I remember there was a, a, a very mysterious uh, departure, if I remember correctly. 
Well, you know, uh, he was walking by the pet cemetery, and and uh, then he ended up not coming back. King's got some very dedicated fans, and King I, gave him plenty of ideas. That's all I'm saying. And there's almost like a whole AI aspect that kind of came to fruition here as well, where, you know, these machines, you know, there's all this thing that's extraterrestrial, this kind of artificial intelligence that we're seeing, you know, with these things. And now we're kind of AI is in existence and it's amazing to think this is less than 30 years ago when AI has been around for, for a while now. Well, I mean, this I was, like that theory. yeah, this, this, there was, there was a theme in the eighties with some, with, with, with machines going fucking crazy or gaining existence and, you know, was it Maximum Overdrive, the Terminator, even like cutesy family shit, like batteries not included, like yeah. short circuit. Like there was a AI was the thing that people were talking about yeah. oh, in their yeah, films a lot in the eighties. And now we're actually live in a time when our phones track us and, and, and we have AIs making like art and jokes and shit. So yeah, and now Johnny Five is doing backflips yeah. over in Cambridge. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I actually have to say, honestly, out of all the Stephen King films that have been uh, done, I would love to see a remake of Maximum Overdrive with the technology that we have now. I don't. I, 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 don't get me wrong. I think, I think the movie itself is, is fun and, and great and all that, but I would love to see, you know, since we were talking about the AI aspect and all that with what is now going on now, kind of bringing it into like today's era, wow. I think there's a lot you can do with it and really you know, make a commentary. Well, look um, at the new Child's Play remake, no, but as ridiculous no. as that is, with artificial intelligence. I mean, that's kind of that ain't that ridiculous. And you get those self-driving cars, so it's you know, a hacker. Yeah. Somebody get uh, yeah. some crazy wild hacker gets into the, the honestly. The car, you could probably self- do maximum overdrive. Yeah, yeah no, self-driving cars, AI-controlled dolls, all of them are one short circuit away from mur- being murderous monsters. They really are. That like, could be. That could realistically be futuristic terrorist threats. You know what I mean? Terroristic deal. Fucking with, malware, cyber attack. You know yeah. what I mean? If everybody's yeah. in these self-driving cyber cars and they hack the system online. and drive you yeah. off cliffs or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Skynet is real, man. Skynet is here. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. Like I, 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 I'm, I'm with Hawk on seeing this. Like, what, what? they could do with it thematically these days, given how machines have even more so than the eighties become such a, let's be, let's be honest. We, we can't exist without technology anymore. Oh yeah. We're just, yeah. we're just not, it's just wouldn't happen. Like if we had an EMP hit tomorrow and all electricity just went blink gone, 85% of the human race is absolutely 100% completely fucked. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna lose their mind within the course of twenty four hours. As ridiculous as that, the, the, the simple fact that they wouldn't be able to look at their phones would send them off a bridge. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Wild so, blame them. They couldn't listen to Dead Kids of Dairy, dude. 
Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly why everybody would be jumping off the bridges because they couldn't <laughs> listen to Dead Kids of Dairy. We need more Alex talk. If I can't listen to Alex, then there's no more reason. Hey, I totally agree with that. I support that, man. I totally yeah. agree, too. I only listen to the show to listen to Alex. <laughs> I only listen to listen to my voice, but I'll agree with that. Uh, you have a melodious voice, Bill. That makes so much sense, Coin, <laughs> on so many levels. <laughs> Yeah, Billy, you brought up those dogs, and uh, Boston had those like mechanical dogs. Those things are <laughs> horrifying to imagine. Well, you know, man's best friend, of course. You know, really well, cool. Film. Someone brought one to work. I want to say about a year ago. We had an IT guy that was supposed to be doing his job, but instead he's playing with his mechanical dog, making it flip. I have never been so unsettled in my entire life witnessing this <laughs> thing with my own eyes. To me, that thing terrified me. And I said to my manager, why is this guy not doing his job? And he said, what the hell is, is, isn't he working on the computers? No, he's outside playing with this robo dog. Tell him to get back inside and fix the goddamn computers. Robocop. That thing is not normal. <laughs> yeah, no. and, 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 and this is coming from Mr. Billy Coyne, who is a big fan of deadly dolls coming to life. And, and, and this, 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 this mechanical dog unnerved him. That's, they hit a little too close to home. That, that's what it is. Oh, they killed a fucking dog, too. Look at that. Look at, uh, speaking of dogs getting yeah. fucking annihilated. Jesus yeah. Christ. It's dogs. This, this movie, I, th- that's the one thing I love about this movie and how you know he was on all the cocaine. <laughs> he did not give a fuck. Oh, yeah. He did not hold back. No one was safe. No dogs. No, no kids. No one. Everyone no one. was up. It was it was it was like he he swung for the fences and he was hitting. <laughs> like, Sad, what do you think Lloyd Kaufman was on? Because uh, weren't animals and uh, kids also <laughs> slaughtered in uh, the original? Uh, he's just uh, a, toxic. I mean, no, he's just a madman. He's a madman. Lloyd, come on. Lloyd is a mad. And, and Lloyd he doesn't need. He doesn't need drugs to not give a fuck. He just doesn't give a fuck. No, I actually, I had the pleasure over the weekend. Um, I actually had a drink with him, and um, you know, just chatted for you know a few minutes. You know, just talking shop. So it was nice to get out. He actually signed my. Uh, I purchased uh, what is it called? A cell from Toxic Avengers, and I went back out and I had him sign it. And just had a nice little conversation with the man, and you know, it was a pleasure. I said. Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, you're 77 years old. My mother's 74. She's usually in bed by seven o'clock. And, you know, here you are at midnight, you know, on your third glass of wine. And, you know, it's an honor and a pleasure for you being here. You're hitting on him, Bill. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say for a 77 year old man, I can't believe you're staying up this long, dude. Mm-hmm. Really impressing <laughs> me with this. You're really it's, it's impressing all the blue me with pills. this. Skill. It's the blue pills. That's why long, he gets his longevity. He takes green pills. No, but I mean, it's just yeah, Matt. You know, Uncle Lloyd's a madman. He's a good dude. Uncle he is. The best. He's yeah. he's fan. He's he is an absolutely fantastic guy. And every time I've ever talked to him, he's an absolute treat. Yeah, in yeah. every way, shape, or form, he's a mad. He, but he is. He's a madman. That's yeah. that's why kids and dogs and everything in between dies in Toxic Avenger yeah. because he did not fucking care. Yeah. And King. 
did not fucking care in this. Yeah, game. but King had an excuse. He was high on cocaine. Oh, he was ripped out of his skull. That's that's oh, yeah. that's what this that was, 100%. Like, I want people out there to understand, like, we've been anticipating this this movie for the last nine months and talking about it on every episode for the last nine months, not because we don't like it or think it's a bad film, but because it is the most over-the-top, insane thing that Stephen King's ever done yeah. in, in a great way. <laughs> like I said, personally, it's my personal favorite Stephen King movie. I think this is an amazing personification of the 80s. Oh, yeah. It's like, truly oh, yeah. a movie of its era in time and between, you know, what can be done. So many accomplishments. I mean, you can't say that this is a bad movie. It just goes off the rail, and it's just batshit nuts. And we should mention Pat Hingle here for a second. Now, who wants to talk about Pat Hingle? Well, real quick, um, I, you know, that lawnmower scene that we just seen over there with the lawnmower about to prey on that kid, you know, an actual accident occurred with the lawnmowers on July 31st, 1985. Was it the first AD? Uh, during shooting in the suburbs, you have Wilmington North, uh, Carolina, where the radio-controlled lawnmower used in a scene went out of control and struck a block of wood used as a camera support, shooting out wood splinters, which injured the director of photography, Armando Nanuzzi. As a result, he lost his right eye. Nanuzzi, Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. Nanuzzi sued Stephen King on February 18th of 87 for $18 million in damages. The suit was settled out of court. You know, you know, King is good for it. I mean, he probably felt horrible about the situation. So, you know, if the funds were there, good, bad, or either way, I'm sure, you know, he had, you know, he's good for it. King is good I for that, it. I know that he was the director and probably a producer, but I wonder how involved in the accident he was because it's kind of interesting that he went after King directly as opposed to De Laurentiis or something like that. You know what I mean? I think you go after the director than the producer, depending on the circumstances. Well, he but probably like had I said, depending on the circumstances. He probably had. He was probably going to work with Dino again. And De Laurentiis is a dude I feel would put you and make you into coffee beans if you were too yeah. much. If you were yeah, too no, much no, no, no. De Laurentiis will definitely give you a pair of cement shoes if to fuck with them. And don't forget, <laughs> you know what I mean? De Laurentiis, yeah. And De Laurentiis, don't forget, he played a big part in the success of Evil Dead Two. Very much so. This movie actually helped Evil Dead 2 in many ways. Yes, it did. You're absolutely right. I can't remember if it was the first AD that was talking to someone and said, uh, I forget what the actual story is, but De Laurentiis basically said, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever, uh, you know, because King... Well, first, it was the King quote that helped the original Evil Dead. Second one, I think it had to do with the pre-sales because Dino's all about those foreign rights. And um, Dino also came in again with Army of Darkness. Yeah. Dino, Dino saved distrib- distrib- distribution on Evil Dead, but he actually produced Army of Darkness. Yes. Yeah. Because they had to, they had to make Evil Dead under uh, that Rosebud, uh, Rosebud, <laughs> Rosebud yeah. that that fake production company because nobody would pick it up. Yeah, that was a brilliant afterthought in order to do that. And yeah, you know, 
but the, the the thing I love about the maximum overdrive, and I've always equated it to this con- this concept, it is a Eliminator era ZZ Top video music video gone horribly wrong. <laughs> that is what this movie is. You look at it, and I immediately get that feel of like I am like getting transported into the She's Got Legs video. <laughs> The fu- I, I half expect them to drive up in the fucking Eliminator car. Like, it's crazy. It's got that feel. Like, like uh, the whole sun-drenched, really fuzzy camera work. Yeah. Like, it's just, it looks hot. <laughs> Every, like I, we said earlier in the episode, everything in this movie just looks hot. <laughs> and uncomfortable, too. Yeah, no, hot and sticky. On top of the... the Man eating machines. Oh, the shot was by DP with one eye. What do you expect? <laughs> Ooh. Hey, y'all. The DP also did Silver Bullet. Fun little mm-hmm. fact. Right before it. Well. And then, look, for some reason, never did a Stephen King film after. I don't know why. I wonder why. He had a bad taste in his eye. Are you saying he just couldn't see eye to eye with uh, with him after that? Oh, come on. You're going too far, dude. That's fine. <laughs> heart to heart. David Hawk, now I have scanners, too. Love things stuck in my head because of you. Hey, hey, Billy, all I can say is I see you. We talk, we talk a lot about automobiles, but it's mainly pretty much anything electronical. Yeah, but we have the guy yeah. in the beginning. Um, you know, with the waitress's foot, um, you know, when he's going through the yard to see some, some machinery, you know, right next to the people. The soda machine calls Stephen King an asshole in the first frame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, even the people, like the girl hanging out of her window, fucking truck didn't get up there and kill her, you know what I mean? Yeah. Probably a curling iron or something crazy. The hair dryer got too hot to handle. For real. Zapped her, kid. Curling iron and the snatch. Wait, are you saying the way to go? If if electricity wanted you dead, you'd be in trouble. Seriously, for sure, for sure. Let's not forget the electric gremlin from Gremlins too. We know that if electricity wants to kill you, we can. (laughs) A lot of these trucks were used from uh, local businesses, so the names on them are the actual local businesses. That's actually smart though, because that's a good that's a good way to get a free truck. That's a good win, yeah. They're definitely yeah. gonna be down with that. Like, oh my 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 company logo is gonna be in a feature fucking film. Here you go, Steven you know what I mean? movie. Woo! Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that in the end, uh, Stephen King had to at least uh, do some kind of deal with Stan Lee to get uh, the Green Goblin's uh, face on the truck. Okay. <laughs> hey, Stanley! Here's some cocaine, Excelsior! Yeah, no, he was really, he was really flying. Yeah. That was, that was it. But Stanley <laughs> actually figured out how to like Professor Exit and defy gravity after that. <laughs> One night with Stephen King. That was all it took. <laughs> yeah. The makers of My Dinner with Andre. My night with Stephen King. <laughs> Directed by Dave Chappelle, a la Ann Wayne Brady. Allah's <laughs> making movies again? Shit. Been a while. Oh, I haven't heard that name in a while, Dave. La Chappelle. 
still doing it. He's still killing it up. Killing it up. Killing it down. This is a very duel esque scene. Just oh yeah, the car creeping up the camera angle. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that 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 really does look like it's ripped straight out of duel. And it's interesting how they made these boxes inside the cars, and they were actually driving underneath, and they were using mirrors to yeah. actually see out. So. Even though these cars are being operated, I mean, this is amazing considering how this was shot in the 80s. Now you do this all computers, but they actually had people driving these vehicles that were hidden and they were using mirrors in order to see out. Yeah. I sounded Canadian saying out. Ooch. 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 Well, I've been watching uh, Big Brother Canada with my roommates. That's where it's probably creeping in. There you go. Yeah, buddy. But no, yeah, no, they, they they came up with some very clever tricks, clever tricks to make to sell some of this stuff. And it's very effective, very effective. Is that a young David Howard Thornton there driving that car? A future terrifier? <laughs> no, 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 I don't think so. I like her outfit though; that's nice. It's very church lady like. She just got married. See, see. This should be like a warning for any young people wanting to get married. Don't. As soon as you get married, someone's going to try to run you off the road. And in yeah, this no, room, they were hoping to have this thing flipped over, but they weren't able to get that because they really were, well, they wanted to get at least one 18-wheeler to flip over on its side. They were hoping in that scene they were able to, to do that, but they did get a kick-ass explosion either way. You know what the biggest mistake that Stephen King was planning to do because of his cocaine? Uh, the lead, he wanted Bruce Springsteen to be the lead. In this. Oh, oh, God. Which, unfortunately, really? I, I would never have watched this movie. I don't think I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't think that would have been a very good idea at all, Mr. King. Dude, no, no. I, dude, has he, has Bruce Springsteen acted in films before? Not that I know of. Probably made cameos and some stuff, but I, I've never seen See him actually like. I think legit. Yeah, he could have, but I'm not familiar with it. Springsteen's too much, man. No, he's done. He's done some. I know he's done some songs for movies and shit. Yeah, but I've never heard he, of. Him he acting. should have had David Bowie. He should have gotten David, David Bowie. David Bowie actually is a good actor. I could have. Oh yeah, that would have worked. I'd have been about that. Like like Jareth from Labyrinth era <laughs> Bowie. Yeah. Versus like crazy. Sentient machines? Yeah, fuck that. Why not? I can picture it already in my head. What about Kurt Russell? Emilio did better. I can see Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell could this. be cool. He's a little too more brutish, I think, than they want. They wanted like a little, but like almost a, uh, you know, Emilio had that little boy, but like older, but still kind of that boyish vibe. Even as like a young adult, he had that boyish vibe to him. Yeah, and he had a little bit of fear. Yeah, like Kurt I can't, Russell. I can't picture Kurt Russell being afraid. He was, yeah. yeah. Like, like he would have actually showed up dressed as Snake Plissken, and he would have punched the cars. You know what I mean? And they would have just fallen apart. Basically, basically, that's the way I look at it. He looked at him with his good eye, and and give that Clint Eastwood stare, and it would just deteriorate. ACDC declined roles in the film. Stephen King wanted to give them some cameos, and they declined. They said. We are not actors, which I got to give them credit for being able to do that. It's a nice flip. You 
but I will say that a nice quick ACDC cameo of them at like drinking a soda at like a picnic table on the highway, something real quick. That would have been cool. That would have been a very cool cameo. They don't have to actually act act. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they just drive by and one of them's just like, fuck. Yeah. That worked. Just have them saying they see the, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, Green Goblin truck going down the highway says, well, that looks like he's going to the highway of hell. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, just like a really like just on the nose, like super cheesy line. It would have worked. It would have worked in the setting of this film because this film's so cheesy. I mean, it, it, yes. <laughs> insane. Yeah, but it's insane in a good way. In the membrane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys. Oh. Angus Young could have said, "Is that a Scarface full of cocaine you have?" <laughs> <laughs> see, see, that's a new to carry uh, terminology right there. Bada boom! Right. Back when they didn't skimp on fire, you know, there was a time when they did. You know, they fucking broiled everything. They were just like destroy the co- the actual truck. When they found it later in life, it was fucking burnt up. They just they just had a guy on demand, like the gasoline guy, and he just walked around with a barrel of gas and just burnt shit. That In a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, he just that was his job. That's that's it was his, it was the same guy in every movie, too, because that's Is how the eighties missing were. three fingers. He looks like the man without a face, Mel Gibson, with and the man without a face would have his face gone. Yeah. Maybe <sighs> roasted, toasted. And he had a name like Lefty. Because <laughs> the so, left, left side of his face was gone, so they called him Lefty. Problem. <laughs> Two-finger Larry. Or, or in, in true Stephen King fashion, they called him Trash Can Man. Yeah. <laughs> that red fire burning. That's an evil fire. A taunted fire when it's red like that. Yeah, that's what it is. That's exactly right. Tearing up the town, man. Now, why exactly are they good? Did they need to get to Emilio Estevez? What was the tie-in? I, I forget. Does anybody remember? No. <laughs> it's the whole fucking. They're bringing out all. They're bringing out the whole army, the whole fleet to fuck with Emilio. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, every time I've watched this movie, I've, I, I, I've, I, I've just kind of let it all happen, and by the end of it, I was like, wait, there was a plot. <laughs> Dude, dude, this is a Stephen King movie, okay? Uh, especially a Stephen King movie that he's directing, High on Cocaine. I don't think that the, the plot... It was funny because from what I heard that in the book, the plot was different from the actual movie. Yeah. Or there was like a lot more to it, like about an asteroid passing, and that was what like gave the... Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a shift in, ma- in magnetic fields that made all the machines nuts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't uh, didn't Emilio Estevez drown a limo later in life in the Muddy Ducks? Yes, he did. I they, think. They, yeah. they, 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 maybe that's what they they wanted to try. It was Terminator <laughs> style. They wanted to come back in time to make to stop him before he could drown the limo. Come with me if you want to live. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Dirty deeds done dirt cheap, Bill. Oh, shit. Nobody's driving. 
for it. I really do think Stephen King has, has like a, a big love for just automobiles themselves. I mean, you start oh, yeah. seeing, you got maximum overdrive. He loves giving those kind of things like a, a, a personality, a character. And actually, I mean, like you brought up before, but I mean, you can give this movie a lot of hard times, but he is able to give such personality to each one of these, you know, inanimate objects mm-hmm. that, you know, it's, it's just so great to watch. It's, it's, it's a wild ride. And like, uh, when I said, like, I, every time I've watched this movie, I kind of had to look up and go, wait, there's a plot. <laughs> it, it's not a detriment and it's not an insult. It, it's just that. There's so much going on. Yeah, exactly. There's so much going on and it is at such a fast, relentless clip at what all this, like I was saying in the beginning of the episode, like pacing. Oh yeah. Pacing. This movie doesn't have pacing. It literally steps on the gas and does not let up at any point whatsoever. Like this might be the slowest scene in the movie. This guy in the fucking can. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that that's what I mean by the, the, the plot, just not being there because it just doesn't stop. No. Well, I mean, it's funny because uh, if, if we think about the uh, earlier uh, Stephen King's we talked about, like Firestarter and like Children of the Corn, uh, uh, and, and especially Cujo, they were very um, kind of slow building, slow burns, you know, really. And, uh, and Maximum Overdrive is like the total opposite of that. It was just balls to the walls from beginning to end, just balls like, to the wall. Yeah. Just, Could have been a uh, cocaine talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, well, I'm sure cocaine was what, what fueled, uh, the, 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 uh, fueled all of it. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's just a wild film. Oh, Whenever yeah. Pat Hinkle wa- walks over, I always think he's going to say, "Okay, I need to go to Gotham City and report uh, the bat signal." <laughs> he was the commissioner Gordon I grew up with. Fair, yeah, fair. It is true. Yeah, Michael Keaton will always be my Batman. Of Didn't he come I, back for something? Well, he he's coming back for something. It okay. hasn't come out yet. He's supposed to come back for the new Flash movie as as old man Batman. <laughs> old man Batman. Imagine getting the audience so hyped up by saying that and then not putting him in the movie. How much hate there would be. Oh, The studio would... I'm pretty sure they'd burn Warner Brothers to the ground. <laughs> yeah. There would be riots. Those comic book fans, like the really hardcore comic book fans, they don't fuck around, man. Mm. They would burn that building to the ground. (laughs) You say the wrong name of someone in the Star Wars universe, I've seen people get punched in the face. Dude, you know, I am a Star Wars fan, and I will no, be but the like, first one. I'm talking about, like, the fandom. In no, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, as a Star Wars fan, the Star Wars fans are fucking bonkers. <laughs> Dude, I almost got into a drunken fist fight over Puppet Master. Oh, I remember that. I believe it. I definitely believe it coming from you. Well, someone said that the dead next door was better than Puppet Master. And I love How Pharaoh. dare they? 
I love J.R. Bookwalter. I really do. But it was just the context. There was just too much alcohol. And basically, fists were getting close to being thrown. You come in the wrong neighborhood with that talk sweatshirt. (laughs) The fuck are you talking about better than Puppet Master? We're coming to fisticuffs. Don't mess with Billy Coin. JR's the dude, but we had him on shock treatment. He's a nice guy. But yeah, and I love Dead Next Door, but Puppet Master is like uh, seminal. Yeah. Iconic. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, too iconic. It's almost like when Alex Hawk wanted to fight me. <laughs> like if there was I more successful. I never wanted to fight you. I wanted to slap you for saying something about someone I couldn't stand. That, that, that's a whole different ball of wax right there. Yeah. I guess in a weird way, I'm kind of an instigator, and I don't even know it. <laughs> well, now you do. Don't do it no more. Very bad. Yeah. Yes, I am bad. We got feet in the screen. I'm deviating. Wait, so we're talking about me. Yeah. For for the, the foot fetishes out there, for Quentin Tarantino, if he's watching Maximum Overdrive, <laughs> We got the feet for you. <laughs> Live via from Israel. Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the most, like, they look so unhappy. And uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, that is like the greasiest cuddle session I've ever seen. Yeah. They look like two pieces of bacon. <laughs> That's the most I've ever seen him look like his dad. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. He looked a lot like his dad right there, yeah. The trucks are coming. Mm-hmm. Literally. Hey, come on. Start, start getting frisky so the trucks can, uh, you know, run you over. <laughs> he was so coked up, he was talking shit there in the trailer. He just walks out and goes, nobody can make a King movie like Stephen King. <laughs> I think out. every single Sheen and every single Estevez has been in the genre. Yeah. Well, All genre. of them. I'd hope so. You know, you know what I mean? Because the one who's done the most in the genre is the uncle. Charlie, I'm trying to, what, what has Charlie done that's horror, the race? The race is what, what I think of, you know, I mean, you know, Emilio has this, um, the father Martin has Amelia the Cronenberg films, you know, with Stephen King by affiliation. Amelia has Nightmares too, which is pretty classic. Mm-hmm. You can't yep, Nightmares is really good. And then Martin's brother has done a slew of horror movies going back like to the 80s till now. Look at that yeah. color scheme. That was a beautiful color scheme right there with the green and blue. Yeah, I like the yeah. green juxtaposed with the black, and now we have Jesus in front of us. Because why not? Hey, nothing says Jesus more than 18 wheelers. <laughs> well, don't forget, we did see the Bible get run over <laughs> earlier. Well, you know. King has an interesting little kind of, you know, Thing with religion, and I think that's really interesting. I've always found how he's not afraid to question stuff or create a little animosity between you know certain things. And, and he directed this, so you know. But I mean, I applaud him for it because he's being broad. He's doing what he's doing, and so be it. You have to accept it for what it is. Yeah, for sure. 
she's going crazy. That's what happens. Oh, and I love I love this scene when she runs out and she's yelling, "We made you, we made you," and getting all the attention here. It just see that's I the always, heat stroke. That's that's what that yeah, is. pretty much. Yeah, I always kind of attributed that to the song "Who Made Who," because I don't know if that was written exactly for this movie, but I have a feeling it was. Yeah. I don't know if that's the direct affiliation or not. Yeah, one of my favorite bands of all time, Fear Factory. Yeah, they oh, definitely yeah. made a few songs about this movie at one point or another. Um about murderous death machines. It's it's great. That, I, it's, love, I love what those guys did for the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds. I do love them. That was but the strangely, that was my introduction to them. And then I discovered more of their stuff. But I would They also know did Twisted Metal, Carmageddon. They yeah, did a I lot mean, of video games. Yeah, video game stuff. Yeah. This is a little predating them though, but that's okay. But they they yeah. I don't know. Something about Stephen King's work. Horror in general, but Stephen King's work is just especially this movie is heavy fucking metal. <laughs> this movie, I mean, is literally about heavy metal squishing you. <laughs> but yeah, there's a vibe to it. It's all heavy metal. I mean, that's the great thing about it. I mean, you know, the, you have these metal leviathans that are just coming at you like a battering ram with just a killer soundtrack. I mean, you got explosions. I mean, you got cocaine and Stephen King. I mean, mm-hmm. you couldn't ask for... This is greatness in the 80s, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. He's on his throne in his sniffing tent. I'm telling you. Anybody ever watch the TV show Haven? I think that was a Stephen King show. Oh, I yeah. yeah. 2010-ish. Yeah, I saw I saw a bunch of episodes. This actually was pretty good. Yeah, I guess in here there's a there's a safe spot that all the characters talk about called Haven, and that's like where they can get to to be safe. And I guess the Haven show in season two, episode two, uh, season two or something like that, they did a an episode that was kind of you know pulling references from there, like tying this into the show. Oh no shit! Which is kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that universe dude is fucking huge. Is Castle Rock mentioned in this? Um, I don't know if it's mentioned, but it's definitely uh, or referenced or seen anywhere. Well, yeah, Castle but Rock's what Maine? Yes. Are, are they trying to make? They're not trying to make this be Maine, though, right? No, yeah, no, so. the, they they never tried to make this be Maine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, so. But but once you figure out what Castle Rock actually is in Stephen King's canon. The show touched on it. The, the, the show Castle Rock. Yeah. They touched on on what Castle Rock really is. But you got you got to be like 85 books deep into <laughs> Stephen King's fucking bibliography to fucking understand what Castle Rock actually is. It's it, once you figure it out you're like what the fuck dude. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or a Scarface worth of cocaine. I mean it's either- I'm pretty sure you can skip ahead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you can skip ahead. If you have a kilo yeah. of cocaine and you're determined enough you and your heart just... can take it, <laughs> you can, you can, you can so get past it. So what's the next one up? An Escobar of cocaine? <laughs> yes. 
Yes, and Escobar is next, just right is above that, that. The next metric unit, according yeah, to yeah, that's Fox. that's a swimming pool's worth. Swimming pool's worth. Yeah. <laughs> right now, we're just talking about like a large SUV. <laughs> Pearl white. Oh, it's white, all right. It's a white Bronco. They say the the symbols flashing in the Star Castle, which is that arcade game that they have in here, uh, the video game in the in the truck stop. Those are typically used as uh, by researchers of clairvoyance and ESP. So they have like a he threw a little <laughs> paranormal stuff in there, which is pretty cool. Like a little, little, uh, little Easter egg, which is funky. Clever, clever, I Mr. Like that. King. Clever. I like that. Yeah. Almost like sometimes he knows what he's doing. <laughs> That is true. Just because he was fucking annihilated doesn't mean good things weren't being captured. <laughs> Some of the best art in the world happens when you're completely fucked up. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not I mean, admitting the shit, but, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look at Van Gogh. I mean, he was Oh, my like, God. He was dealing with like I think at the uh, not only mental illness but like heat stroke and and all that kind of stuff at the same time when he was painting like all of his uh, you know uh, best known uh, pieces of work. That's why sometimes when you look at his uh, pictures, it actually mentally hurts because yeah. that's that's what was in his brain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you know, it's such a surprise that he didn't live a long and fulfilling life. Mm. I mean, that's a hundred percent sarcasm. I mean, the guy was cruising, just cruising for the grave. But yeah. well, hey, put it this way: he cut off his ear to give it to a prostitute. So you know, exactly, exactly. Now, where's your dedication like that, Mister King? Where's your what, whose ear did you cut off for maximum overdrive? That's what I want to know. Emilio Estevez, probably. <laughs> I Probably he took an eye instead of cutting an ear. <laughs> That's it. Oh, he did take yeah. an ear, didn't? Yeah, he? he did take an eye. Took an eye. Uh, you know, nobody talked more shit about this movie than Stephen King himself. Now, yeah, no, I, I know that, that. You guys think that plays an important part in everybody else shitting? Because once the, the the creator of it said it's okay to fuck. Oh yeah, no, I'm, definitely. It's fucking all bets are off. I mean, you gotta give uh, give him credit because I I give a lot of credit to people that when they attempt something and it doesn't uh, work out the way they want, being willing to kind of like laugh at yourself, laugh at what you did. I mean, like like we said, I mean, it is bonkers, but it's it's a fun bonkers. It is a fun uh, bonkers. Yeah, I mean, no. I, oh, sorry. I'd, ra- I, I, I'd rather watch this than let's say Firestarter. Yes, absolutely. Well, Firestarter, I would say, has more of a like uh, actual like uh, you know moving story and kind of emotion and mm. all that. I mean, this is just as you said, bonkers fun. It's 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 a, a blockbuster Stephen King uh, on a low budget. <laughs> no, it, it, it's the you know it's an important thing. Um. As an artist, as a creator, yeah. as anything, to look at yourself and go, okay, I fucked up. All right, I made an oops, you know? 
And you learn from that, you grow from that, you get better from that. You know what I mean? And um, it takes a humble guy to make a movie or paint a picture or whatever and go, yeah, I fucking goofed. Um, and but that's that. Stephen King is that guy. He is genuinely. He's that guy. He'll he'll admit fault. He'll own when he, he fucks up something. Actually, a lot of his. Uh, finish up. Sorry, dude. No, no, it's fine. What were you gonna say, Billy? No, and Maddie, one thing you would actually get a kick out of because I found this out about this movie. One of the special effects guys, uh, Jeff Frank. Um, who did the special effects, also did special effects on Ernest Goes to Jail. Oh, um, the, very cool. Uh, the, this guy was a big, from what I'm piecing together, because when I, when I came across this, um, he's done a lot of stuff with some cool explosions. Um, I love Dead Heat. Uh, Trigger Treat, I think, is a great film. Um, he's done some stuff in the genre, and there was something else, that uh, another title. Um, it was... Uh, Dante's Peak, and oh, Dante's. I mean, you say what you will about Dante's Peak and Volcano, but those effects they're were fun, phenomenal at their time. And um, but yeah, no, because uh, I mean, I love the the explosions and, and just the special effects in general because of by virtue of what they had to do back then. You know, I mean, these guys were, you know, oh, and this is a cool makeup on this guy too where this guy was just had his head splayed open and um mm-hmm. there was way more to this effect that they cut out um for sure but uh yeah because you actually see uh how he's hit and kind of his face is kind of starting to come up but it's just back and forth with this <clears throat> tug of war um that you see but there was definitely more that was done that was unfortunately cut out mm. good old MPA. I mean, the MPAA where I take Ultimate Umbridge personally probably has to be Friday the 13th, Part 7. Well, Friday the 13th, period. The whole series. The franchise franchise was always getting so much flack from, you know, the MPAA because, you know, I mean, those movies were you know, yes, that they're slashers and, you know, there are these amazing effects that are in them. But it's like, if you're not going to let them show the effects, then what's the goddamn point? So, you know, it's, I mean, but you're lucky enough to see, like, what Savini did, you know, get back in there for part one, part four, and some of these yeah. other ones. But they some unfortunate... They didn't want him, period. I mean, That's why they cut him so bad. They didn't want him... I still want to see that home. Carl Fullerton effect from part two, where they did Bay of Blood they ripped it off and it was the two bodies in the bed and Jason has a spear that comes down through. And I hear it's like one of those like golden, um, lot, great lost footage things. If anyone can find it. Mm-hmm. I've heard about that myself. Now the funny thing with this is despite the plot, which says that all machines in the world come alive and start killing people, uh, camp in the Curtis cars never become uh, sentient. Even Hendershot's car, identifiable by the license plate Bubba stamped on it, never comes alive itself, along with nearly all the other cars in the truck stop. Uh, Very weird. Very weird. I think that's just uh, uh, you know an oversight. 
I don't know if it's intentional or an oversight or just a budget thing that they wouldn't be able to animate at all. Yeah. Um, I'm going to assume, like, because, like, what they had to go through to make those trucks look like nobody was driving them. A car would take twice as much doing because you don't have nearly as much room to work with. So you'd probably have to have some kind of remote apparatus driving the car. Um, and that's big, that was big bucks at the time. Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chalk that up to, I'm gonna be cynical and not say it was an artistic decision. I think that's pure budget. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think Hawk brought up something earlier about, uh, with him getting hit. You know, the, the 19th, on, you know, supposedly in this, in this, you know, when you don't talk about the earth, the, the, the comet passing the earth, you were talking about Hawk. You know, yeah. supposedly it passes the Earth on June nineteenth in eighty seven, and on June nineteenth, ninety nine is when he got hit by that truck driver. Uh, and supposedly mm. the ni- number nineteen has been prominent in, the, in most of his writing. See, mm. see, aha! Mm. Uh-huh. So I'm saying it was a fucking premonition, man. It's spooky, supernatural, fucking psychic shit. A lot of sleeping going around. They're all depressed. It's that heat, heat stroke setting in. It is. I'll do the heat strokes. No joke. We went when we went to the gathering. I think I almost got the fucking heat stroke. That yeah. was what Ohio, Indiana. That was Indiana, and it was. Uh, it's funny how it gets hot as fuck during the days, and at night it gets so chilly. It's like, oh fuck, yeah, it's harsh. Yeah, right around this area. Actually, this is right around. The Indiana or Ohio area, I believe. Uh-huh. Middle See. America, the heart of America, man. The breadbasket. Yep. This movie came out January, the beginning of January in 1986. I like that. And the company this came out with was The Boy in Blue, Iron Eagle, The Personal favorite troll. No shit. Um, Black Moon Rising and Dead Man's Folly. Hmm. And these all came out with, you know, it's funny because I was trying, I thought there was something else that came out specifically, but all these movies came out same month of 1986 along with Maximum Overdrive. Wow. That's an intense lineup right there. Yeah, Oh, I'm sorry. The one that escaped me, Sky Pirates. I overlooked that one. So did everyone else. Are all the trucks bring? Is it a mer- maybe it's a merchandise thing or something? I don't know why. Why certain trucks got possessed and then cars doing or whatever? But yeah, very fucking weird. I don't know. I don't know, man. Budget. Yeah, it's got to be the hundred percent budget. They spent a big chunk of the budget, actually. They talked about uh, one of the commentaries in the cars in the beginning on the bridge. Um, that actually uh, took a decent chunk from the budget. No shit. I believe it. Cars are expensive, man. Any, anytime you involve, involve cars in your production, it's, 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 it can get really pricey. And if you're going to smash a car, then you're going to smash a car. But if it's someone's car, you don't want it to look that bad. So, you know, it's... 
it's where you know you need to spend money in order to destroy whatever it is that you need for production value. Exactly. Well, I mean, realistically, that that fucking gun, that little like go kart with a gun, was probably should have been a tank or something. In the strip. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's more than likely what the case was. Yeah. That's a tank. We we can't afford a tank, Mister King. <laughs> Goes and grabs a go kart, duct tapes a fucking M sixteen to it. Tank. Ah, it's a tank now. It's a fucking tank now, pal. See, see that that's how the cocaine helps you know creativity. <laughs> exactly. You're just like I ain't got time for this shit. We're gonna make a tank. <laughs> they said Stephen King's cocaine straw is the same size as a tank barrel. He was <laughs> the whole time during principal photography. He was probably awake that week and a half, two weeks, or however long principal was on this. How long? I know they had a lot of issues with the trucks breaking down. It's like a shark from Jaws situation all over again. Yeah. And you got Ooh. you figure, you figure those, like, right there. those towny truck drivers that are getting paid 50 bucks a day are probably like, well, if I fuck up my truck, I can get more money. And I guarantee some of that went down. Oh, some purposely pulled spark plugs. Shit like that, yeah. yeah. Or overheat, something they know they can fix it in a little bit and be the hero of the day. Yeah, this is uh, like the uh, finale of Breaking Bad before Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of the guys that's in this is, was on Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm having a brain fart. Um, I got to find his name. They, they talked about him on the commentary, but yeah, one of the guys was in this movie, started on Breaking Bad, started in this one, then went on to Breaking Bad. Um, Big jump. Well, yeah, I was about to say, it's like a 20 year. He was, gap. Holding out, he was holding out for Breaking Bad. He said, I'm not doing anything until something like Breaking Bad comes along. I want to I wanna do a show about a math teacher who makes methamphetamine. And I won't settle for anything else. Don't we all? <laughs> I'm horrible with names. His last name is Esposito. And he was the video player in the beginning. This waitress has more balls than anybody else in this film. She <laughs> was the one drunk earlier, right? Freaking out. Yeah. No, she got lit the fuck up, though, right there. Yeah. She got put in her place, so they say, back in the day. Several places, really. Oh, she's still standing, dude. She's like, fuck you, Bubba. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This kid's not even affected by it anymore. It's irrelevant. There's, the, there's our tank. There's our tank. Oh, the horn. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Beep, beep. Yeah, you're right. Um, Esposito, uh, he was Gus Fring in Breaking Bad. Good call, Bill. Yeah. Giancarlo, oh, Giancarlo Esposito? Yeah, no, he's been in quite a few things. Yeah, but, um, yeah, he was the video uh, videographer in the beginning of this. And I remember hearing a connection to Breaking Bad. Oh, he was an integral, he was a key player in Breaking Bad. Yeah. He was a big bad for a couple of seasons there. Yeah. And they brought him back for uh, um, uh, Better Call Saul. They did. Yeah. They did. 
Now let's make a plan. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is yeah. it feels like now it's the mist with 18 wheelers. Definitely has that Tremors vibe, Bill. Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all on side the confines, as we mentioned earlier. Electricity, they gave them their electricity. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, Melio was killing it. This, this was like he was like <coughs> to be reckoned with back in the day. Didn't want to be involved with the family name. Said fuck that. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. I think that his Estevez is the real name, right? Yeah, Estevez yeah. is the real name. Uh, the uh, the fake one. Yeah, Sheen's the fake one. Margin that uh, it, it sounded too. Um, Ethnic. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really what it came down to. Like they they were white passing Mexicans and their age like Martin Sheen's agent literally looked him dead in the face and went, If you can look white, you should have a name that sounds white. Yeah. In this town. In nineteen seventy two. You really should. You'll you'll get further. And that happened a lot. Oh yeah, no, it happened absolutely a ton. Um that Charlie Sheen, I think it just came down to the simple fact that at that point, Martin Sheen was already an established commodity, so why the fuck wouldn't he use the same last name? Mm. You know? Oh, yeah, I'm Martin Sheen's son. I'm sure that got him some roles right off the rip. I'm, you know I'm I mean? sure that kept him with some roles that he should have like been kicked off set because of his anger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they caught him, they caught him in the, the, the back tent with the uh, Corey Haim on the set of Lucas, like they claim, and then he's like, yeah, but I'm Charlie Sheen. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Before Tiger Blood came to be. Oh, God. What a what a weird year that was, huh? Honestly, oh. I was only playing patty cake with the kid backstage. Oh, sure. Sure, Charlie Sheen. Sure you were. But, hey, but we can say this about Mr. Estevez. Not only did he not take the name, he's kept his nose clean. He was a good kid. Whole way through. I mean, I've always liked Amelia. I mean, there was never a reason I felt not to like Amelia. He's more likable. He almost like was in his brother's shadow for. Oh yeah, years for sure. And um, absolutely. But I feel like when Disney came along with the opportunity for the Mighty Ducks, just really helped kind of give him a little more oomph. And um, I mean, I, I don't. I, just, uh, I, I really haven't seen him lately. I mean, he could be on TV and on a show somewhere, or he probably is acting, and I might have missed out on it. But, you know, I, 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 I always enjoy whenever I see Emilio show up in any. He's behind the scenes a lot now. Hawk, Hawk was saying earlier. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. working behind the camera more. Well, it makes sense because, I mean, they come from, you know, filmmaking and, you know, kind of knowing the facets, you know, in front of the camera, behind the camera. I mean, it seems like these kids, you know, definitely started acting rather young. I mean, I don't know if they wanted to do them for themselves or just by virtue of being grandfathered into it, literally, if it was something, you know, but um, they've done well for themselves. And, you know, they had some good years. They didn't have some great years, but, you know, they're still continuing and doing what they're doing, and I applaud them for it. Word up, man. Word up. 
I can agree to that. Gary Busey was interested in starring in this film. That would have been fucking oh, incredible. Amazing. <laughs> amazing. I that would, would have been fucking that. incredible. I would pay to see that. Yes, twice. I would pay him to do it. I would just I should pay him to act that out in my living room. <laughs> Cause yeah. He don't he doesn't fit. He'd have to he could be uh the drunkle shows up. Drunkle shows up. He could be the dude, the uh the fucking the other guy you were talking about, Bill. The chubbier dude. Like the guy who owns the station, he could have been that. He could have. He couldn't have played a million. Oh, like yeah, like a Pat Hingle role, or yeah, he couldn't have been. Yeah. way too old for that. I like how it just says Gary was interested. It wasn't Stephen King was interested or anybody else was interested. It was just he was interested. It's like, hey man, I was in Silver Bullet. I was the drunkle. Oh no, by. By they by by saying Gary Busey was interested in being in the movie, they mean he just showed up one day yeah. on set, and he's hey. like, "All right, where do you need me? I'm here." Isn't this just the next chapter, as we says, isn't this just the next chapter? And Gary Busey was like, "Do you need me to play the role of the truck? I can be the truck. I'll I'll be the the Green Goblin truck." I'll Absolutely. Put that on my chest, and yes. I'll just run around. I expose my teeth, and I just put my hands up like this, and I just run after. Ooh, I can see Gary in the pitch being like, "I want to be a half man, half motorcycle." <laughs> <laughs> I I would I would like to do the movie if you change that for me. There's like, somewhere like Nightmare Five. There's somewhere in a parallel universe between Hobo with a shotgun and. And like Easy Rider, where that movie exists. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> where that film exists, where he is he is half man, half motorcycle, all justice. Gary Busey. Uh, that could even be the sequel to Silver Bullet. Right there, he is the wheelchair this time. <laughs> I am the wheelchair. <laughs> could be, could happen. Why not? You know, they made it, The Simpsons had a, a you know, they referenced uh, The Simpsons Maximum Homer Drive in 1999, in which Homer Simpson takes over a truck driver's delivery and finds out that his truck is controlled by an onboard computer. Uh, Yardley Smith, who plays Connie in the film, is the voice of Lisa, Lisa Simpson in the show. She's very uh, ashamed of this film as well. She does, she wished she never did it. She was on the bonus features and she actually. I mean, it sounds like she's, she's changed her tune about it. Well, they like the checks that they get for doing that stuff. <laughs> a lot of... So. Oh, if, you, if you look at it, like, over time... Yeah. yeah. A lot of people that went on to do more socially accepted genres of entertainment than horror films were ashamed of what they did in like the nineties or the two thousands, but now they see what they can be doing at conventions with autograph signings and all of that. And their, their, their tune changes real quick, not to be the cynic, but it's the truth. Their tune changes real quick when they realize they're like, 
hey, these movies actually have these huge cult followings and people actually show up and pay money for me to sign their stuff. Yeah, I love that movie, man. I love fucking thing. love that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maximum Overdrive, the best. I, 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 I know I said it. some things about it in the 90s that, you know, I wasn't that happy about it. But, you know, you look back on things after a while and it changes. Like, motherfucker, your wallet changed. That's all it changed. <laughs> Shut up. Actually, James, after what you just mentioned, um, what do you think of this whole uh, Nev Kemble um, uh, scream thing where she it seems like she's possibly passing up on this? I'm glad she put her foot down. I'm glad she did, too. I, I, she's the anchor of the whole fucking franchise. She is the, she's the center of it. I don't care if she's in the movie for eight minutes. I don't care if she's in the movie for 80 minutes. It's not a scream movie without Sidney Prescott. Yeah. Period. So whatever they wanted to fucking pay, pay her, I mean, whatever she wanted, fucking pay her. Yeah. Period. She is, she is the Jamie Lee Curtis of that franchise. Seriously. Seriously. Like what? You're going to, you're going to do like, five of these fucking movies now. You haven't killed her off. You haven't given her a decent ending. You already made one, in my opinion, Scream 5 was an atrocity. I didn't even and, bother with it. Um, And you already did all the legacy characters dirty as shit in that movie. So, what? You're just going to kill her off screen? Like... <laughs> It's her fucking franchise. It's like it's like saying to Robert England, "Oh, we're gonna make Nightmare 8, but mm, sorry, buddy. Yeah, because they did that, right? And look how that worked out. Yeah. So yeah, okay. All I gotta say, all I gotta say about Scream Six not having that Cam- Campbell in is, is good luck. <laughs> I mean, hey, yeah, hey. they should either pony up and pay her, or be like, you know what? Maybe this is the gonna be the last one. Because if she doesn't want to do it, she's probably not going to want to do it again. Let's do something that where everyone can be happy. It's not that she doesn't want to. It's not that she doesn't want to do it though. It's just that the studio doesn't want to pay her. Yeah, doesn't want to pay her what she wants anyway. Well, all I say is they should pony up either way if they really fucking want. Her. Hey, hey, I got a great idea. This is what they should do. Honestly, they Some should. Someone to Alex like, Hark. <laughs> what they they should do is like. They they uh, uh they come in. You see the back of her, and then all of a sudden she turns, and it's Matthew Lillard in a wig. <laughs> He's come back. It's the revenge of Stu Mar. Yes. Yes. No, I I just yeah. That's that's where I stand on that, and that's where I'm gonna stand on that. And I'm probably not gonna see Scream Six unless she's on it. So. Yeah, I agree. Because I talk with my wallet. The only thing you can talk with that matters. Yeah. I like how you say that, Lamont. I taco my wallet. What did you say? I talk with my wallet, not I taco my wallet. (laughs) I taco. Although I should put a taco on my wallet because you never know when I am going to get hungry. You never know when you might need a taco. You never know. That's another T-shirt. We need I taco my wallet T-shirt with a taco (laughs) with like uh, a wallet with taco shit falling out of it. And then I need uh, a fucking a Scarface amount of cocaine. Yes, we yes. already we, we really need to start up like a fucking Dead Kids Dairy merchandising network. Yes, right? yes, we yes. come up with some great shit. Okay, okay. First we got Drunkle. Then we, we need got a Drunkle shirt. Hands yeah. fucking down. Scar- a Scarface worth of cocaine. A Scarface worth of cocaine. Taco, taco in my wallet. Taco the wallet. Yeah. We need a sunny California Maine 
you know, sign shirt. Sunny California Maine should be like the first one. Sunny yeah. California Maine road sign shirt. Hands fucking down. Um, there we go. Yeah, no, we, we need to get on this because we come up with some fucking merchandising gems, guys. We're passing up on dollars here. Yeah. <laughs> dollars, dollars. If you want. I'll several, look. several dollars, probably like eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to make hundreds of hundreds of dollars. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Not 800, Billy. Eight. Hundred dollars, <laughs> yeah. That the, the, the shirt talk from the last episode actually got moving and turned into a reality. Like oh, graphic, yeah, at least. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really cool. Should I get a message? Y'all already forgot that that ever happened. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why she's not here. Shit, I feel bad. Maybe she's making you a shirt. <laughs> she's making yep. you a shirt instead. <laughs> Where the fuck is coin? I mean, I've been hearing that for twenty years. Bill was like, meet me at Starbucks in Weymouth at 7 o'clock Tuesday. And she's waiting at Starbucks at Weymouth for no point. <laughs> he broke her heart, man. He broke her, broke her creative heart. Killed it. I will never forget Killed it. that. Yes, I, I broke her Korean heart. That, that Creative, practice, not Korean. But what the hell is going on with my audio? For Christ's sakes, you're, you're fine. That tractor was doing an impersonation. Hawk's laughing his Hawk, ass off. Hawk, there. mark that down. <laughs> yeah. I want no, a idea. No Bless idea. You my broke Korean my heart. Korean heart. You broke my Korean heart. You, you mark that down right now. That's going on the fucking website. <laughs> That's gold. <laughs> see, see, see! Uh, damn you, coin man! You got some great shit. We're gonna have a whole section just for fucking Billy Coin quotes. That's that's gonna be great marketing. I think that's gonna be the goal at some point for an actual T-shirt instead of like normisms from Cheers. It'll just be Billy Coin quotes that we can just put on the back of the shirt. It'll yeah, coinisms, 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 coinisms. coinisms. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, there's going to be a whole thing. Like, we're going to do a logo shirt. We're going to do the Welcome to Sunny California, Maine. It's just going to be shit that falls out of your mouth every time we fucking do one of these things. It's going to be great. We should be, re- we should be recording these for prosperity purposes. We are recording them. <laughs> we're making a show. We're making a show. How much more see, recording do you want? You see, Billy forgot, <laughs> Billy forgot that he's being recorded right now. That explains why he's not wearing pants. Oh man, we could have got. Oh, <laughs> it's all. Right. It's all right, Billy. I'm not wearing pants either. It's fine. Billy's whoa, whoa, woo! Billy. I'm, wearing, I'm wearing the Ghostbusters. Woo! It's the magic. Nice. It's the magic of Zoom interviews, man. It's, that's oh, I know. They're beautiful. Zoom, you you got to make sure you don't have a mirror behind you. That's all you yeah. got to be sure of. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey. Uh, for those who who might be missing it, we just saw Billy Coins uh, Marshmallow Men. Oh, yeah. As I slapped my ass. Call me <laughs> that was a treat. It was so shocking. It turned the screen on fire. The movie Literally, the whole the whole fucking the whole set just exploded the when Billy slapped his ass. Up, yeah. yeah. He's melting all over Walter Peck as we speak. Uh, you guys give me way more credit here than I deserve. Like that gas is a dollar eight a gallon. How sad is that? Oh Jesus Christ! Gas was only a dollar eight in eighty six. Let's uh, go back to nineteen eighty six. Let's uh, get 
Dude, that just gave me indigestion. I just filled my tank up this morning. Ow. Dude, how, how bad is it that, honestly, I'm sure I, I'm speaking for everyone, that we wish we had the ability to jump into a movie for maximum overdrive just so we can get some gas? Seriously, I would, I would fight 18 tanks, 18-wheelers, a fucking Apache helicopter. Arnold Schwarzenegger could swim in, swing in full endoskeleton, whatever. doesn't fucking matter. If that cast is a buck oh eight, I promise you, everything in front of me is going to fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> Just hitch that thing to the DeLorean and have Doc Holliday or Doc Brown or whatever the hell his name is. Basically. Doc it's Brown. Doc Holliday was in Tombstone, dude. You're right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I only now you're just getting docks. goofy. Now you're just getting goofy, coin. You need to sit down. <laughs> you know, somebody makes a weird theory in here that they're invisible aliens. That's what the problem is. What do you guys? What you? What do you? What's your take on that? I mean, they're supposed to be. From as they say, yeah, they, one of their main things is when that got that M60 shooting. When it stops shooting, you hear a growl. You actually hear like a physical growl. I, I think I think that was actually Stephen King's stomach after he ingested <laughs> a, a ball of cocaine. <laughs> he he had he had an entire six foot hoagie that he mysteriously ate and doesn't know how it happened, and it was the stomach yeah. off camera. I get coke it. Coke snores. <laughs> the coke snores. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Invisible aliens. I mean, well, that's what that green thing is. It's something of extraterrestrial origin in the comment that they kind of mentioned. Yeah, but briefly it's on, but, but it's, like, it's, just, it's ever so brief. It's it doesn't go into yeah, any real. It, it's more like a radio about. signal, though. Well, yeah. I, well I, mean, I came up from. I, I mean, the thing is, uh, it almost has a virus component to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to go with what uh, Billy said. Uh, if you guys seen the movie, like uh, the virus, where you have this alien entity that's more of like elect- electricity that comes down and then kind of like builds its body with all the mechanical. Well, even like Romero's Night of the Living Dead was a wasn't that like something from space. Yeah, I think that like one of the later versions that they put out was that actually supposed to be in the original script? I mean, yes, I think so. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was. And but the, that was the one where they filmed like the extra shit with like Sid Haig in that edition that like, came out like oh, yeah, yeah. around two thousand, I think. That oh, the Night of the Living Dead three uh, D. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. was the one where they kind of added like a little extra footage in there so they could. Kind of do some. I think Sid Haig was in that one. If memory starts correct, there's so yeah. many cuts of that movie. So many cuts. Well, the best one is the Night of the Sun of the Dawn of the whatever it is that goes forever, and it's Night of the Living Dead Mystery Science Theater version. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's. I get the name great. of that one, but it's. I only saw it once. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. But no, they they there's so many different cuts of Night of the Living Dead, and so many people have taken so much liberty with that and like cutting in their own footage and shit. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until 1990 when Savini did that to kind of help with the whole copyright thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, no, I, I, I like, I, I, I like my, my Romero's films just inexplicably things come back from the dead. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need aliens to come down and re and, reanimate things did you like martin i love martin martin's great martin's my favorite romero film actually 
I still get to see the amusement park. I hear it's pretty good. It's it's good. It's good. It's weird. It's weird. But it's good. There you have it. And I always thought this was strange, too. This was an odd choice to close the film. Yeah. It's almost like it opens book style, closes book style. Yeah, that's 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 what I mean. Like in the beginning of the movie, when, when I said, "Oh, this was an afterthought," because it was definitely a fucking afterthought. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, the the way I see it is that you know Stephen King. Okay, he's barreling through this. He's doing this. He's high off cocaine, and then at the end, he's like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. So let's this do a, a, a title scroll in the beginning and a title scroll at the end to try to explain to people what they just witnessed. Exactly. No, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. I'm telling you. He looked at it and went, "Oh, this movie makes no fucking sense at all, does it?" Yeah. And he he that was a band aid on yeah, a shotgun and, and, and on a know, shotgun wound of a plot hole. Yeah. You, you <laughs> know, at the end, he he's like, "Oh, maybe we should do some extra scenes and uh, help make this make sense." Wait, all the money I, I spent on the movie and cocaine, I got nothing left. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? I got an idea to steal from Star Wars. Do a crawl in the beginning and a crawl in the end. Explain everything away. Handled. Handled. 100%. Fucking A-plus director right there. Handled. Yeah. Reshoots? B-reel? B we don't do that around here. Text crawl. Heck yeah. Horrifying nature. So through all that, I mean, it just goes to tell you, goes to show you, you know, if you've got the finances to put a good group of people around you, that's the most important deal and something like that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nothing more valuable on a movie set than good people. Yeah. Yes, I agree with that wholeheartedly. If you don't have good people, forget it. Don't care what, what kind of budget you got. And then they blew the dude's fucking eye out. But he yeah. had, that didn't stop him. He kept going. You know, much respect to that dude. Armando. <laughs> yeah. And he uh, got, what, a $15 million payday out of it? Well, he wanted that, but they settled outside of court. So who's to say? He probably got about $8. Yeah, I'd say, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He probably didn't get much. For because day, for your livelihood and the fact that you actually made it to professional filmmaking like that, and now you know, you know, you need your both your eyes when you're a DP. Yeah. So the they color, say. The color scheme is so funny with this uh, crawl. The well, end credits. The movie, to me, like color wise, we didn't really touch on the color. Uh, we did a little bit, but it's just it screams eighties, man. Yeah. Screams the 80s. Like, bright, 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 bright. And everything just... It wasn't early 80s with those sepia tones. This is the good mid-80s where the lime greens were really kicking in. And, you know, you got those Barbie hot pinks going on. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This this comes from the loud era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. loud era of the uh, everything story. was big loud hair loud clothes loud La- yeah yeah and then like it, everything like in the 90s got that like neon thing going on like it, it went too far 
But it did, in the early '90s, I mean, to me, I think the perfect example, which I think was brilliant for its time, was Child's Play too, because of the color, yes, the the color scheme in that movie was brilliant, and then after that, it just felt like it was starting to go over the top. A little bit, a, a, little, a little bit, bit. but yeah, I mean, a smidge, a smidge, in pit. But we're not talking about Child's Play too. We're talking about Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, the DP would later go on to work with the great Roger Corman. Of course. Then die of undisclosed reasons, which, you know. Let me guess. Infected eye. <laughs> I think you're, you're overkilling it a little bit, but I think he's dead. He's a dead guy. It wasn't the terror within. <laughs> I'm just fucking with y'all. Who cares? Oh, okay. <laughs> he died from undisclosed injuries sustained on the Roger Corman set. Yes, um, and he went into the ICU. I, oh, I'll uh, give you that one. That was good. <laughs> that was a good one, bud. Oh, the um, wife had to make sure she was crossing those T's and signing those eyes to make sure he was going to get all the best he could. Dotting the eyes, dotting those eyes up, dotting the old eyes. So yeah, I mean. It didn't slow the dude down, so uh, it's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as a kid, I always liked this one a lot. Like I said before, or before the show started, you know, the ACDC was a nice touch because it meshed up two things I loved: horror movies and like rock and roll, and uh, just perfect. It was like a perfect mixture. And ACDC is one of those bands that have so many hits. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it was cool that they, you know, that they it would have been cool if they had a cameo. But if I remember correctly, there's a kid like they're low. They're they have a van with a logo on it or something like that. Yeah, in, in on on the, one of the highways. If I remember, so they have some somewhat of a cameo, which is nice. And the Stephen King. Hey, I wonder what he thinks about the movie now. All these years later, whenever you look back and appreciate it, because there's worse Stephen King movies. Um, I like it. You know, in like, it's kind of very difficult to take that subject matter and make it scary. Not that I don't think anybody was scared by it, but when you when you think about it, you go, you know, that that's, those are situations I wouldn't exactly want to be in. So they have that kind of scary element to it, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of times, <laughs> you know, King will kind of dive into weird elements that aren't exactly scary on the surface but like the deeper you get into it it can kind of be a scary deal much like this and nobody else has dealt with fucking haunted automobiles like stephen king that's his claim to fame that's what they'll say in his obituary man of the haunted automobiles he made he made the scariest cars (laughs) to ever exist yeah imagine that I'd buy one. You drive a king car? I'd buy one. Why not? If it comes to life and, you know, starts killing people, hey, thumbs the brakes. What's your favorite favorite killer uh, automobile from a king? Would it be the Green Goblin or Christine? Which one's better? I think, I think, I, I gotta give this one to Christine. She's 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 got more of a, a purpose. She's got a little more pathos behind her. I feel like she's a little more sinister too. She like is. the 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 vehicles in Maximum Overdrive remind me of like a good analogy would be like a wagon 
or a safari just being surrounded by lions. Mm. The lion's going to lion no matter what. The thought process there is kill, eat, kill, eat. Yeah. You know, that's that's the cars in maximum overdrive. Christine's a fucking serial killer. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? You, uh, I'm with you on that. They, the, the the trucks are almost like uh, like a like a like a fucking um, like a death camp soldier, like uh, like people that you know they got the guns on you while you're walking. And if you yeah, around they kill you type deal. But you're all you're all trying to get to this certain place, this this final destination, and they're almost supervising you. You do what they want you to do. Uh, but they'll kill you off. But yeah, Christine's just kill, 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 kill. Yeah. She is more of like a slasher. Uh, I agree. Thing. Well, I mean, I mean, going with with that, I mean, Christine. Uh, I mean, if we were going with the the whole slasher motif, her icons, Christine's more like Freddy Krueger, and the uh, Green Goblin uh, uh, truck is more like Jason Voorhees. Yeah. Yeah. I could I could dig that, I could dig that. Yeah, because I mean, uh, Christine is more insidious. He gets into you. See, you know, more more mental. While you yeah, know, no, there's 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 definitely there's definitely other elements happening in Christine and Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. Again, there's a little more to 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 coin a phrase, a little more under the hood. Yes, yes, going on with Christine and Maximum Overdrive's vehicles. There's so many characters in Maximum Overdrive that they have to address going back and forth that I don't think they can really. They don't spend too much time being too getting too personal with with any of them. You know, even if they try, they don't really do it. I feel, but with Christine, there's less characters, and you definitely get real personal with all those characters. You know, absolutely, absolutely. It's a, it's a different vibe. It's 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 hard to compare the two because I feel like King's taken similar subject matter and coming from completely different sides of the field with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Does anybody want to say anything in closing on our maximum overdrive? My favorite killer car is Killdozer. Killdozer. I, I can get down with Killdozer. Not King related, but also also a killer vehicle. I will give you that. Great. I, I, yeah, I, I realize... I'm surprised we didn't bring it up on Christine. We didn't bring it up here. And it just pops in my head. And it's like, that was a great fucking movie. And, you know, just a cool, you know, it's, just, it's a great little film. If you don't know about it and you're listening to this, also check out Kill Dozer. For sure. I, I can I can get behind that 100%. Kill Dozer is a good time. If they reboot Maximum Overdrive, they should have a scene where, like, uh, the Green Goblin mouth, like, eats somebody. Like, it <laughs> scoops them up, and the fan of the engine chops them up. That'd be badass. Matty Fisher. Uh, what up? I said, what if his name is Matty Fisher, who gets caps and eaten by... Sure, I'll do that cameo for Steven. I'd wa- I'd, 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 just, I'd just say I want to watch that scene, like, three times. Not Matt. Not being Matt. Just, I want to <laughs> see somebody get chewed up by the fan of a fucking 18-wheeler. I think Stephen King was going to have it go up the nostril and get chewed up, and then change it. Oh. Too much money. Too much money. Mm. But uh, mm. we'll see. So, Bill, if that happens, I'll accept that cameo appearance. Hell yeah. If I don't get it, I'm blaming you, man. I'm 
think you're blamed for everything. You're blamed for the bird. No, it's okay. But yeah, definitely, I think it would be, you know, this would be kind of a good one to reboot with the whole car, you know, driving themselves deal. It makes it a little more realistic. Back in the day, I think it'd be probably more scary of a thought nowadays than it would be back in the day of this. Happening. Yeah, because I feel like something like this could be rooted more in reality yeah. these days. Because cars just animating themselves back in the day was was ludicrous. You know what I mean? It was, it was, a, it was a concept so far out of reach that you couldn't even really fathom it. And a lot can be done with it too. You got you could it could drive you into deep waters. That that would be very like intense death, and it would go sink sink enough for you know the windows to cave in and kill you eventually. You could have the element of like it uses its own gasoline to light itself on fire while you're inside. You know what I mean? That'd be fucking badass. Burn alive. You know what I mean? You could do the deal with them eating it up and the blend the mouth with like the fan. You got exhaust. You can kill people with fucking carbon monoxide. There's so many different ways you could do it, creatively and realistically. I mean, you just got old reliable barreling into some poor sap at 70 miles an hour. Yeah. Or, or even, like, dragon, you know, get someone, like, chained to the back of the car, drag him down the highway. That's brutal. That? that might hit a little too close to home in certain places. Alex, don't you have an auto Fair point, Carl. Didn't you have an auto blow system installed in your car, like, it gives you a blowjob while you drive or something like that. No, that's, no, no. That's, that, that's yours. Is that the is that is is that is, is that what the flashlight attachment on, on the dealership <laughs> sheet means? That's what's <laughs> hanging in that chain. It just chain it just it, yeah. it pops out of the cigarette lighter thing, right? And it just gives hey, you a blow. Hey, 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 dude, dude, it's, dude, it's all about the roadhead. Hey. Got wet socks hanging from the fucking rearview mirror. Can't that's old fashioned style. Can't knock anybody's uh, flow. <laughs> if it makes your commute better, go for it. That's, that's the way it. I look at it. People would have wanted to the road. drive on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good old Carl. Unwritten book, The Rules. Uh, old Georgie. Georgie. Word up. Word up. Word up. All right. Cool beans. Well. We hope everybody enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy more episodes, we're getting up there. I think we're, what, uh, 15? We're up around, like, the 15 mark, if not pushing, barreling down on 20. There's quite a few. There's yeah, quite we, a few uh, back. We have quite the archive yeah. going on now. Yeah, we have a nice little archive. I was looking at it earlier today, right before we came on. And um, it's definitely, yeah, we're definitely past uh, 12. Um I know we're getting. Not, I think Maddie's right. I think I think we're uh, we're clocking in on twenty. I think yeah. we're approaching twenty pretty quick. Yeah, twelve. I think you've been a part of twelve, Bill. But those are the the twelve best episodes, Bill. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Actually, and it's funny how we've just been leading up to this with, as we mentioned earlier, like maximum overdrives coming up. And it's not like we were counting down, but we just. <laughs> Showed so much enthusiasm for this movie, you know, going back to practically Cujo, I think. Because it's fucking nuts. <laughs> Why not? There's no other way to word this movie. It's just fucking crazy. And this was, and, this was a highlight. This is definitely a highlight. We got interest. We got interest. We got great. Plenty of stuff coming up that is both 
worthy of praise, and then there's a whole lot of things we're going to get to make fun of, too. Yeah. Because we're getting into, like, the terrible years. The made-for-TV <laughs> years. Oh, come on. That's some of the best years, man. No, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> come on. The Langoliers, man. Oh. Come on. Mmm, space meatballs <laughs> telepathically <laughs> controlling us all. I love it, dude. <laughs> uh, I love. No, you, I mean... I'm going to scare the little girl? Come there's some, on. There's some great the stuff. There's some great made-for-TV stuff, but there's it, and then there's Tommy Knockers. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's... there's the golden The golden years. I'm sorry. I got a soft spot for the Langoliers, buddy boy. I, I, I Langoliers is great, dude. I'm looking forward to the ones even, like, getting up to, like, Rose Red. Rose Red's great. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Rose Red's fantastic. Yeah. It's like mid-90s, though, so we got like a long way to go before we get to Rose Red. Oh, no, a long way before that. Yeah. Rose, Red, Rose Red's one of the best Stephen King TV anythings, period. Very creepy. Was that it's Stephen Weber? Remember his search correct? No. No, oh. Stephen Weber was in the made-for-TV version of The Shinnin. Oh, The Shinnin. Yeah. That's okay, okay. Yeah. He was, he was Jack Torrance. In the, yeah. Yeah, which we will be partaking in, which, if I'm not mistaken, is like four hours long. It's going to be an odyssey. <laughs> we'll be doing those on Saturdays, most likely, for recording purposes. Yeah. I'm going to have to stop you there, Bill. I'm going yeah. to stop you there. But this has been fun. We hope everybody enjoyed. And uh, we'll catch everybody on the next episode of Dead Kids of Derry. I'm Vicky Burroughs. I'm Nancy Walker. We're all the dead kids.